Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Gay With God podcast, a safe place for us to share our stories and support one another. How long did we know? What challenges did we face? Did we lose our faith? When did we find our way back home? Or are we still searching? The stories you hear on this podcast will melt your heart and strengthen your belief that in God, all things are possible and you can be authentically gay with the God of your understanding. I'm your host, Midge Noble, and I am very honored that you are here. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Gay With God podcast. As always, I'm so excited that you're listening and that you're sharing and subscribing. And today, to some of your chagrin and to some of your joy, I have a guest, and it's not just me. So even though I'll miss telling you all the things I want to tell you, I'll do it another time because I'm so excited that I have a guest. So let me introduce you to Jan Shannon. Having served as a licensed minister in three denominations, Jan was actively involved in LGBTQ and Black Lives Matter activism. Jan now works as a paraeducator at a local elementary school and speaks to university classes, occasionally preaches, and continues to lead a Bible study for the LGBTQ community at her house, as COVID allows. Jan and her wife live in Spokane, Washington, where her kids and grandkids live nearby. Jan and Janine love to work in their yard and travel as much as possible. Jan has a BA in Humanities, a BA in Women and Gender Studies with a minor in Religion, all from Eastern Washington University, and a Master of Divinity from Iliff School of Theology. I'm so excited to have you here, Jan. Welcome to the Gay with God podcast. Well, this is exciting. I um, uh, just love... um being on here, I'm so thankful to the Facebook community because yes. that's how Midge and I have found that's each other. Right. I know through, it's so cool. Um, I like I don't even know where you live, Midge. I live in it, North Carolina. And I live in Washington State. And we found each other through a friend in England. So yes. shout out. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Tracy. <laughs> shout out to Tracy Boys for linking us up. That was awesome. It is so um, cool. God truly is a global God. Yes. And, uh, Facebook makes that happen. Yes. So good stuff. Yeah, no, I, uh, I'm glad to be on here. Um, this is literally what I talk about pretty much 24 seven is, um, that it's totally okay to be gay and Christian all at the same yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, we are not unicorns. There are many of us. <laughs> and, um, my, uh, my own faith journey started at 14. I was raised, um, I, I, I'm, it's hard to say that, you know, I was raised in a Christian home because these days that has definition in today's mm-hmm. evangelical America, but I was raised by, um, a mom who went, to, was a lifelong Presbyterian of the high Scottish variety. And so we uh, grew up going to church, um, occasionally with her on Sunday mornings or staying home with dad, if he didn't feel like going, which was mostly. And then my dad passed it when I was 10, mm-hmm. uh, which was really definitive for our family. Um, and I started attending church more with my mom. And when I was 14, um, sort of becoming a teenager, my mom decided I really needed more religion in my life. And so she <laughs> encouraged me to um, go to go to her church youth group, which had a female minister um, as the youth leader. <clears throat> and uh, so I did just to appease my mom, um, because the population of her youth group went to our rival high school. So I only went to that church youth group just for mom's sake and they were doing this weekend retreat thing in October and um, in order to fill the camp five different Presbyterian youth groups come together um, to make up that weekend Mm -hmm. one of the other 
Presbyterian youth groups was from San Mateo, uh, First Presbyterian Church in San Mateo, California. Um, and so I went down in the bus with the Burlingame First Presbyterian Church, and I came home in the San Mateo First Presbyterian Church bus. And um, <laughs> that's um, that weekend was uh, life changing for me because the minister for the weekend was a black man named Reverend Frank Jackson, and he spent the weekend preaching to us about um, sinful humanity and a good God and about how people just mess up our lives with lying and cheating and stealing and being mean to each other and pride and prejudice and all these things. And I, and um, fighting and just not getting along and anger. And I thought, God, this guy must live in my house (laughs) (laughs) because that was my lived experience at the time. Yeah. And so um, I know a lot of us picture sort of that come to Jesus moment or the altar call at a youth group as being a really overly emotional, overly mm-hmm. dramatized mm-hmm. event. But for me, it was really rational, logical decision. I was like, that's exactly how I see people acting. And if there's a way to not act like that, I want in. Mm-hmm. And so he described this God that... um sent his own son to teach us that love is really the only way to be and to get along and to get anything good done in the world. And I thought, all right, I'm in. I like, mm-hmm. I want this experience. So I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior when I was 14, which is uh, an action now that I would sort of question um, altar calls. But I do believe mm-hmm. that making a choice is an important step in our Christian lives. We do need to turn from one way of being to turn Mm -hmm. to another way of being Mm -hmm. um, in order to get away from our sort of sinful selves. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I became the church kid. I went to youth group every Wednesday. I joined the church choir, um, the youth choir, which was a touring group. And we toured the Western United States every summer. And um, I was the church girl. And um, one of the best a couple of moments of my life have also been through Facebook where people in that youth group or in that um, school um, that I went to, um, San Mateo High School, um, have found me on Facebook and written me letters and notes that said, the reason I'm a Christian now is because you were a Christian and you were so loving and so um, evangelistic, but the God that you showed me was inclusive and accepting and loving and not judgmental and not um, legalistic. And so that's why mm-hmm. I still am a believer today. Mm-hmm. And um, I appreciate the good training that I got in that Presbyterian youth group, mm-hmm. um, which back in those days, we didn't use terms like liberal or conservative mm-hmm. for Christians. But mm-hmm. now I would describe them as being a liberal church mm-hmm. because, you know, for one thing, they had a female youth pastor. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Ended up joining the Air Force in order to make some money. Um, I was born and raised in San Francisco, California. Uh, San Mateo and Burlingame are both within 10 miles of San Francisco. And there is no way to make money without a college education there. Mm. Um, so I joined the Air Force and left home and never went back. Um, I met and married a man within the first year of being in the Air Force. And so I should preface this now by saying, no, I did not know at the time that I was gay. Um, <laughs> where I'm from everybody's gay like but it was mostly in in the 70s and 80s about being a gay man Mm. and um i was not raised to be homophobic being gay was just a thing my mom would say some people just are like that Mm. and so that was 
the mindset that I was raised with. Some people just are like that. It wasn't moral. It wasn't ethical. It wasn't a scriptural or a um, religious decision. It just was. Well, and, and I'm so, interested. Um, uh, just one second. I, I was just going to ask you. So with the man, the preacher that talked about, you know, all of those bad behaviors, he never mentioned homosexuality in that list. Not that I remember. That's awesome. I don't believe I ever heard a preacher say anything against homosexuality until wow. um, the 1990s. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it was all over the news, Yeah. but people say lots of mean things about San Francisco and we're used to it. So we just <laughs> kind of blow it off. <laughs> we yeah. knew there were a million yeah. gay men living in San Francisco and we didn't care. Yeah. yeah. I never, I, we just never came up in my life. And I'll tell you a little story about that um, as I go on, but just how rational and logical and just loving my mom was. Anyway, so yeah, so I met and married uh, my husband mm -hmm. and um, we were, you know, madly in love and had a great life and we were married for 25 years. I have a daughter and a son from that relationship and um, great people, great adults. Um, I have two grandkids, um, my son's kids, and uh, my daughter is partnered. Um, she is in a same sex relationship and, um, but it, she went first, so it's not my fault. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> for you those just... of you looking for... Well, she's gay because you're gay. No, actually. Uh, no. <laughs> um, anyway, so years on down the line. So we're going to fast forward now to, well, actually, let's go back to the military. So I was in the military in 1981 when it was still illegal to be gay and be in the military. Mm -hmm. And I used to get teased all the time by my instructors at basic training um, that I was gay because I didn't want to go um, out on the town when we were allowed to on base liberty. I was busy ironing my shoe, uh, ironing my pants and shining my boots, uh, <laughs> being a good military gal. And, uh -huh. and my, my instructors used to say all the time, are you gay? And I was like, no, like, why are you asking me that? Like, that's a stupid question. I had super short hair because I always have had short hair since I was a child. My mom kept my hair short. I mm -hmm. just have never had long hair. It has nothing to do with my sexuality. Hmm. Um, and but they would make fun of me because the basic training, mm -hmm. they pick something to make fun of you about. And so they would make fun of me for being from San Francisco. Um, and they would literally march me up to other instructors and say, go ahead, Shannon, and tell them where you're from. And I would say, I'm from San Francisco. And they'd say, are you gay? You know, effing queers. And I'd be like, whatever. But I never internalized like them telling me like, well, you must be gay. You don't want to go, you know, find a guy on base. I was like, I'm busy. I have things to do. You know, mm -hmm. and then, like I said, just eight weeks later, I met the man that became my husband within a year and, you know, was madly in love with him. So um, I did not know myself to be gay. Mm -hmm. um, now we're going to fast forward to 2001. <clears throat> Kurt and I, uh, my ex-husband, we were attending a Nazarene church and I had felt the call to be um, a leader in um, Christian circles since I was 14. Um, um, I would love to help teach Bible study. I love to teach Sunday school. Um, I often was, um, designated as the youth pastor in whatever church we were going to. And, um, we had left Presbyterian churches, um, out of convenience, no, no special reason and began attending this Nazarene church in our local community here, um, in Eastern Washington. Anyway. So one of the other gals that went to church there and I became close friends, um, at the same time two other gals that were also military wives became a couple and left their husbands and 
moved in together. And this was a church scandal. Like what was going on? They were horrible. One of them worked at the church as the church secretary. She got fired. Uh, um, and I was in leadership at the time. I had answered the call into full-time ministry in 2001. I um, was actively working as the associate pastor for children and youth um, in the Church of the Nazarene. Um, you spend one year as a locally licensed pastor, which means they sort of vet you to see if you have the gifts and graces for leadership. <clears throat> After that year, you go before a district board, and then they grill you on um scripture and doctrine and they grill you about your life even your finances your oh, relationship wow. with your spouse um in those days and maybe still the church of the nazarene also interviews the male spouse to make sure that they are fully on board with this because if your male spouse if your husband doesn't like the idea of you going into ministry then you can't Ugh. because they believe that if the male spouse isn't fully in favor then it must not be a call from god because they don't trust women to just know their own lives. Yeah. And they um, probably don't ask the women that when the males come up. Exactly. Uh -huh. Exactly. So the Church of the Nazarene was where I learned my systematic theology. And in the Wesleyan tradition and the Methodist tradition, that's where the Church of the Nazarene comes from. And it's, so it's about the grace of God, that when you feel the, the call of God, um, and you turn to God and look for more information about God, then God's Holy Spirit is actively working in your life and you either follow this call toward God or you don't. And then you either make a, ch a choice, you know, a salvific choice to follow God or you don't. And then the Church of the Nazarene also preaches what they call entire sanctification, which would be a life fully dedicated to God. Um, and entire sanctification in their doctrine is when you are so filled with the Holy spirit that you are able to not sin. Wow. Right. So able to not <laughs> sin doesn't mean you can't sin. You could uh -huh. still choose to yeah. sin, yeah. but you are able to not sin wow. by the infilling of the Holy spirit. So anyway, so, but I met this gal, she was another woman at the church and we became close friends. And then one day she kissed me and I, I absolutely rejected it. And I said, don't do that. I didn't like that. Don't do that again. Um, what really happened was that I really liked it and I was terrified. And I said, don't do that again. So a week later, she did it again. And we entered into um, a physical same-sex relationship. And it was sinful because I was married mm. and in um, an avowed relationship with my husband. And so I look back on those days um, with remorse and say, I wish I hadn't acted like that because it wasn't right um, in regards to my husband or my children. Mm. Um, and so we, we continued that relationship. That relationship um, became inappropriate in about 2000, late 2005, early 2006. So I moved, I went out, um, actively looking to leave this friendship relationship because I believed it to be sinful. Mm -hmm. So I started talking to my husband. He didn't know anything about it, but I started talking to my husband about uh, maybe, maybe I should go to school and get a degree, a master's degree, and then I can get ordained instead of pursuing the non-academic um, path toward ordination in the Church of the Nazarene, which they call the course of study. 
which I had been actively doing for three, you know for four years. And he said, great, you know, we could go, we could move back to his hometown of St. Louis, Missouri. There's a Wesleyan University there. I could get my degree there. He was all for it. His, you know, his family was all for it. Great, we could move home. So in the midst of the, that decision-making, I was offered a job in Southern Idaho as the youth pastor, paid full-time youth pastor at a Nazarene uh, church. So I took it. And at that time, I believed that it was God's intervention um, to get me out of this same-sex relationship. So we moved seven hours away from Spokane area to Southern Idaho. Um, and I began working as a youth pastor, running a community center for youth um, offsite from the church um, in downtown small town. And the work that I was doing was healing the bridge between the Hispanic community in that small town and the white community. Um, it definitely went that direction because that was the direction it needed to go, not because that was what the church wanted. The church just wanted me to preach evangelism and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, it was supposed to be like a drop-in center for any kid in town that wanted to come by, but really it just operated as the youth building for the church. But I started intentionally eating at rest every restaurant in town and um, letting everybody know that this community center was for everybody and all kids could come there. And one of the best moments in my ministry was when two um, dads um, in the Hispanic community, um, very Catholic, very religious, very conservative, came to the youth center and they said, hey, Kim, you know, we'd like to talk to you. And I said, sure. And I showed them around and they said, can anybody come here? I said, absolutely. Everybody is welcome here. And I have a little bit of Spanish. So I spoke a little bit of Spanish to them. And I said, I would not preach my form of Christianity um, to their Catholic kids, that I would just preach a God that loved them. And I would preach um, strong moral um, living and that they were welcome to just come hang out. And these two men looked at each other and nodded like, okay, we're going to let our kids come here. Nice. And it brings tears to my eyes because those moments that happen like that are not mm -hmm. uh, something that I engineered. That mm -hmm. was the Holy Spirit working through, through me and my gifts, um, <laughs> my Mexican food loving self and <laughs> creating opportunities that I could not have created on my own. And so some of those Catholic kids did start showing up, um, which had never happened before. The division in those two communities in that town was strong. Mm -hmm. So it was fantastic. Um, I invited um, Nazarene youth from my old church, seven hours away to come down and run it overnight. We had 70 kids show up. Wow. Um, and this is a tiny town of about 3000. So 70 kids at one youth event was huge. Um, I was starting to make connections with other youth ministers, other pastors in that town, and truly making this a community wide community center. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, the woman that I had the relationship with, her husband found out about us and found, he hacked her email account and found an email that I had sent her. And he um, faxed it to my district superintendent. Mm -hmm. um, and I was called on the carpet in his office um, with my husband and my senior pastor and asked, was this true? Was I in a homosexual relationship? And um, I lied to everybody in that room and said, no, I'm not. Um, which again is a huge regret in my life. I believe lying to be the root of almost all human sin. So 
Um, but the reason I lied was because I had not yet told my husband and I didn't feel that it was fair to him to, for him to find out in that environment. Mm-hmm. So um, we got back in the car. Um, Kurt, of course, knew it was true. And so I told him, I admitted to him that it was true. And then um, we had an hour drive home to our house. Oh, oh my. Yeah. Quiet, very quiet hour. Mm-hmm. In the car. Um, and then we had about a three hour um, discussion about it. And um, I will never stop saying what a great guy my ex-husband is because as hurt and upset as he was, he handled his business and never shamed me or blamed me. Um, so we had, like I said, we talked for about three hours and then I got on my phone and went out into the middle of the street so nobody could hear me. And I know that probably every listener to this um, podcast has had the experience where they um, can't say it out loud. They're afraid. We're afraid to admit it out loud. So I went out in the middle of the street and I called a Nazarene minister that had been a, um, um, has, and is still a mentor of mine. And I told him what happened and he said, is it true? And I said, yes. And that's the first time I admitted that I was gay. Mm. And he said, well, you know what you need to do. And I said, yes. And I went back inside and I called my district superintendent. I apologized for lying. And I said, it's true. And he said, you'll never work in the church of the Nazarene again. And he hung up on me. Mm. And um, I don't blame the church of the Nazarene because that is um, their doctrine. And Mm -hmm. I knew it. So kicking me out of their church was the appropriate course of action for them. Of course, I'm not uh, super happy about the way I was treated, but um, because I was completely rejected, I wasn't allowed. I was told, um, but so I'm not, these, none of these are assumptions. I was told straight out, never come to the church again. Um, never go to the community center again, never speak to the youth in this church again, even if you uh. see them downtown. Um, do not interact with any member of the community again, even if you see them at the grocery store. This is a town of 3000. Wow. Like there was literally nowhere I could go mm-hmm. and not interact with members of the community. Mm-hmm. Um, another Nazarene minister did reach out to us and offered us the chance, the opportunity to go to his church, which was about half an hour away. So that is where Kurt and I went. So we did find some um, welcome, at least if not acceptance. Um, Kurt and I chose to stay together and try to work things out, which lasted about nine months. And then I was like this, I'm gay. This just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think just because this, this podcast is for the queer community, I'll say that I have been asked a million times, like, well, are you bi, are you bisexual? You know, like, how could you be married for 25 years and be happy? And then, and then realize you're gay. And it's like, I'm just dumb. <laughs> <That's> just, <laughs> you know, I don't well, know. I would, say, I would you know? not say you're dumb, but you know, in the, in the, <laughs> Because if you're dumb, then I was dumb. And I don't want to say that because I've come so far. <laughs> yeah, right. So but, but like seriously. a lot of us, like the gay community here in Spokane has a lot of fun with me. And they'll say, I'm just the dumbest gay person ever. <laughs> um, how can you be raised in San Francisco, California, and not realize you're gay? But it's all is doesn't that epitomize, though, the personal journey that yeah. we we have a personal journey. I, I, I knew of other gay people, but I would I never knew. I, I really didn't know. And I lived with my now wife for seven years, loving her, doing doing really bad things according to the <laughs> church. And 
and still could not bring the knowledge up into my brain that I was gay. It's ridiculous how hard it is. It really is. And honestly, I think it's a lot of, hopefully a lot of it is a generational issue. Like um, my current wife, um, uh, who is not the same woman, by the way, uh, that really was not a healthy relationship and I'm glad I left it. But, um, uh, you know, we were raised that women get married and have kids. That's just what you do. That's right. It, It wasn't even about sexuality. It was just sociology. That's just what you do. Yeah. People get married and have children yeah. so and raise families. That's what we're supposed to do. So yeah. um, the reason I'm able to say with full conviction that I'm definitely gay and not bisexual is that I'm never going back. So, <laughs> I know you'll appreciate that. <laughs> so at any rate, so I got kicked out of the Church of the Nazarene and told, don't ever, don't ever come here again. So let me uh, ask you something months- about that. Let yeah, me yeah. ask you something about yeah. that. Let's just pause a minute because yeah. my heart just broke. When I heard those stipulations, you know, for for somebody to be told you devoted your life to that community center, you devoted your life to those children, you devoted your life to your ministry and to your God, and you you did your job in your highest and best self. And then to be told, never again, do not speak to these children, do not come to our church, you are banned, you're done, basically we shun you, like you yeah. know, tell me how you moved past that, that, that pain and that hurt. Well, you know, <laughs> honestly, um, it sounds weird, but I can't say it enough. Um, good theology saved my soul. Um, uh-huh. which is why I'm so strong on not just saying, yeah, it's great. It's okay to be gay and Christian, but to hold people to a strong theology because it's Christianity does not preach the Bible and no place says anything goes like you can't just do anything and be say, do anything, act any way you want. That's not what the Christian life is about. That's not what following Jesus is about. That's not how Jesus acted. Jesus followed uh, a very strict code of ethics and morality um, that we would do well to follow and um, to try to mimic as much as we can. And good theology says that God is good and people sin. <laughs> so when all the people sinned, I went, yeah, <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. I sin, they sin. We all sin. That's what we do. We're human, you know? So, um, um, yeah, I was hurt. I, it was awful. Um, I, I have now, um, since processed through five years of trauma informed therapy, um, um, based on some childhood trauma. And then obviously the trauma that I received from the church, Um, And that has helped me immensely um, to get over some of the social anxiety that was created because, um, you know, I would go to the grocery store and, and just stare at my shopping cart and not look around because I was afraid to meet the eyes of somebody because Uh of the shame. Uh And then after Kurt and I broke up and I came here back to Eastern Washington, because I knew I could get a job here. um, They, um, I was going to the grocery store with people from the, the church that I had left where I had that initial um, relationship with that woman. And again, was just terrified to look people in the eye. Mm-hmm. And so I have a lot of social anxiety um, places. I can't, you know, I go, I do go. I, I don't say can't, I can go there. Um, but I have to work through my anxiety while I'm in those spaces. Um, what if you see somebody you smile and say, hello, it's another human being. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but it was difficult. I was absolutely devastated. And um, the, the last act of that, um, my senior pastor at the time, which was so hurtful and um, wow, his homophobia is so strong and his um, hatred of the community is so deep. He really treated me badly. Um, <clears throat> he thought the right thing to do was for me to go one more time back to the youth group and tell them um, that I had, was being removed from ministry because I had sinned, but not tell them what I had done wrong. So it was this big secret. Um, so I literally got walked into the community center. I was being watched and like three people standing around me to make sure I didn't interact with any of the youth inappropriately. Um, because they on he honestly thinks and preaches that I could talk somebody into being gay. Mm. That like, that would be my agenda would be to try to get like a child abuse, like sexual abuse, oh. that that's what he thought I would do. And so, um, I was walked into, he went in and talked to the youth and told them that I was being fired, but he didn't tell them why he just told them I had done something really wrong, but didn't tell them why none of the community was ever told that all I did was kiss a woman. <laughs> um, yeah. you know, so nobody in that community knows now what I did wrong because they kept it all a secret. Uh. So that's part of the devastation for me is wondering like, what do these people think I did? Do they think I hurt a child? Yeah. You know, that's, yeah. that's not right. You know, all no. these dark secrets, the church keeps. So I was literally like marched in told to apologize to the youth for my bad behavior and marched out. Uh -huh. And it was absolutely traumatic. It was awful. Uh -huh. It was just the uh, unhealthiest way to handle the situation for me and the youth. Yes. Yes. And the thing about that is, is that, you know, you acknowledge that the timing was not great in your meeting this woman and having this relationship, you, you admit that to you, that was a sin and, and the theology that you have studied, it's a sin for people to step out of their marriage. So what if, and I, I know this is a horrible question. So in the church of the Nazarene, if you had been a single female, not unmarried, if you had kissed a woman, would you still have been treated this way? because of the it's homosexuality and it that's what would get you kicked out and banned from speaking to children. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and not okay. just the homosexuality aspect in that, in that sense, but also the uh, sex before marriage. Um, uh, although a kiss wouldn't sort of qualify, but I would know, hope not. Like for, <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, no, they're pretty conservative. They're just yeah. slightly right of the Baptists. So yeah. 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 Well, yeah. I know that I know that you have survived and thrived since then. I know that it's a daily battle to deal with the anxiety and the and the trauma because that many things trigger that. I can imagine that that you can be having a great day and going along and not having any anxiety and then something will trigger that event in your past mm -hmm. and and the overwhelming flood of those emotions cannot be stopped. You can manage them once you recognize them, but it's mm -hmm. I get it. I do get it. And I'd, yeah. I honor your journey and I honor how well you've landed. I'm so happy for you and so proud of you. You're a strong, strong yeah. lady. It's, you know, it was a long road. That was uh, mm -hmm. 2006, 2007. And um, it wasn't until 2012 um, that somebody here in Eastern Washington, as a matter of fact, it was one of the women uh, in that other couple that I mentioned, uh, um, they uh -huh. remain partnered and uh, have since married. And she 
she, we saw each ran into each other at the mall and she said, Oh, Hey, how are you doing? What's going on? They knew I had been kicked out of the Nazarenes. And, and she said, uh, where are you going to church? And I said, well, nowhere. Like we can't go to church anywhere, mm-hmm. you know? And she said, yeah, you can. There's churches, there's churches that accept gay people. And I'm like, there are what <laughs> Do so tell. for five years. I mean, you know, and like, yeah, super churchy I'm the super churchy girl. You know, I hadn't gone to church in five years. And um, she said, yeah, there's this church in Spokane that, you know, like it totally not just accepts gay people, but totally affirms gay people. It's like being gay is not a sin. You should, you should go there. I'm like, okay. So I went and tried it out. And within a year was their acting licensed minister. And, um, that was in the, was in the United Church of Christ. And so um, their pastor immediately recognized um, the call of God on my life into ministry. And she said, Hey, you know, do you want to be my assistant pastor? I said, absolutely. So I, um, 2013, I uh, quit my full-time job and went to college for, uh, for the first time in my life at the age of 51. Wow. And uh, got two degrees and a minor in under four years and uh, <laughs> went on and went to ILIF and uh, in three years, got my master of divinity. Um, God is good. God is yeah. faithful. And um, I had a Nazarene pastor again, tell me years ago, you know, once you're a pastor, you're always a pastor. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. gosh darn, those Nazarenes were right. <laughs> As much as we hate to admit it right this minute, <laughs> they were only right about you know, that, that God calls you and it. they can't uncall you. The Nazarenes cannot uncall a God call. Exactly. Exactly. Our sin cannot stop the work of God. Oh. You know, it just isn't, uh, it's not possible to, you know, um, stop the all powerful God. It's just not, you yeah. know, we'd like to think we can, we'd like to think we can <laughs> shut down the work of God, but we can't. Yeah, we think we can shut down Mother Nature, but she's kicking our butt right now. <laughs> she's showing us who's boss. <laughs> oh, my goodness. No kidding. Spokane has just gotten pounded this year with snow. It's a very mm-hmm. unusual winter for us. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no. So I was an assistant pastor in that church for five years and then um, lost my temper at a church council meeting um, <laughs> due to anxiety and depression and um, trauma and got kicked out of the United Church of Christ. Oh, so even good progressive churches can, you know, um, make bad decisions. And just because of one event, mm-hmm. um, they fired me and I was no longer their assistant pastor. And uh, uh, what is it with churches that say, don't ever come back here? But uh, they say, don't ever come back here. <sighs> you know, yeah. We're, Christians have a long way to go. The church, the capital C mm-hmm. church, right? Mm-hmm. Especially mm-hmm. in America has a long way to go in dealing with um, not just human sin, which they should be really good at, but um, mental health. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the work we need to do to understand that we are created as body, mind, and spirit, um, and that those three things need to be working all together um, to be helpful. Uh, we mm-hmm. have a long way to go in the church, in the organized yeah. church. Well, you know, we the the big church, the building, and the people in it are all human. And we like to, we, we can't, we can't be better than human. And that means that we will always be fallible and we will always lean toward coping skills that we've had in the past that were breeded under trauma. And it's just not healthy. You know, it's, it's just never going to be a healthy group of people. I just got voted on, um, as a vestry member in the Episcopal church, which is the board that, kind of deals with the building and the, you know, Mm -hmm. keeps things together and all that kind of stuff. And 
you know, somebody asked me, well, how do you think that's going to go? And I said, I think it's going to go exactly the way it goes with all people who get together and try to make decisions. <laughs> it's It's not be pretty. <laughs> Even though I love these ugly. Yeah, I love these people. And they're just amazing, amazing people. But we're all still human. And mm -hmm. there are sides that I'm sure will be drawn. You know, I haven't I've only been to one Zoom meeting. We're going to have a retreat on Saturday coming up. So, yeah, we'll see how it's all going to go. And um, I'm apparently on it for three years. I thought it was maybe two, but that was a surprise. Ooh, gift, extra year. <laughs> so I'll see <laughs> what the next three years teaches me. But but I think it's worth, worth being a part of the governing part and seeing mm -hmm. how it all works because that's, you know, I'm, I'm so called to be more and I know that I'm called to be more. And so it's almost kind of like going in on the ground level and coming up and seeing how it all works. And can you tolerate it? You got to be able to tolerate all of it, not just, you know, the upper echelon of ministry. You got to tolerate mm -hmm. the grub work and the hard decisions and the and and how can we unify the the lines that are drawn? Exactly. So yeah, exactly. it's and messy. I realize that I've been using the word sin a lot, which may be triggering for some of um, our listeners. And, um, I think, you know, through trauma counseling, obviously I'm sort of not as tied to the idea of sinful humanity as I was. People are fallible. You said it perfectly. We make mistakes. We don't treat each other. Uh, we don't treat the other with the utmost, um, gentleness, um, and charity as we could. Um, we, in living and trying to be our best selves will still fall short of perfection. Um, and I don't want, I don't want the listeners to, to hear me being uh, judgmental either of myself or of them. Mm. So if my use of the word sinful is traumatic, I apologize. I understand mm. how that can fall on the ears of especially the gay community. Mm -hmm. um, I'm okay with it. Um, I feel like I was given a gift of the United Church of Christ in uh, being able to process through Mm -hmm. uh, my theology um, mm -hmm. seminary was a gift um, to process through like um, what is the theology that I believe in now. Mm -hmm. um, and I believe that um, fallible is a much better word than sinful mm -hmm. in general. Um, I, ha I had a hard time with that word too, in the beginning when, of my journey back to church, when I left the church and one of the, sp the spiritual director that I've been working with um, the first thing she said to me was, well, you know what sin really means, don't you? And I said, yeah, that you've really done something really, really, really bad and, and you're going to go to hell for it. And she goes, well, actually, and you know, she gave me the Greek word that I can never remember, but she said it means missing the mark. Mm -hmm. So sin means missing the mark. And I said, really? And she goes, yes. In the original language, it, it means miss the mark. And all that yeah, means like is- like you shot an arrow yes. and you missed the target. Not yes. that the arrow burned up in flames. Right, right. And not that it missed the mark by, you know, 180 degrees. It yes. just missed just it. Just missed the mark. And so yep. then you get to repent, which I also hated that word, um, because I think sackcloth, ashes, nausea. She's no, repent means just turn away. Turn yep. away from what you missed. Go back in the direction that's going to be more helpful for you. And I'm yep. like, Wow. You know, all of the years that we were taught about sin and repent, you have to repent, repent, repent. And it was so, yeah. it was so awful feeling. It just felt awful. But now I can look at myself and go, oh, 
I missed the mark on that. Now, how can I make that better? Or can I do, what yeah. can I do to mend that? And what, how can I turn back to where God really needed me to be or do it the way God would have intended? And it's just so much more gentle, you know, but we were, we were raised with a vengeful God. That's how we, we were. were taught. We Well, yeah. the, the church that I was raised, but again, not my experience in, in the Presbyterian church, but that, yeah. that was my yeah. experience back in the seventies at the yeah. church then. But um, also, as I, as I age, I'm 60 now. Um, I see life more in terms of, uh, degrees and mm -hmm. grays and spectrums, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, which I was taught in the church of Nazarene gray is bad. <laughs> gray is the, the area between black and white, um, where you can't make a decision. You're standing on the fence. Um, and, uh, which is lukewarm, which is in revelation uh, where God says, I spit you out of my mouth. Like yeah. we should never be gray. Like nothing yeah. should be a gray area. And that's just not, um, in my mind, scriptural, in my opinion, that does not follow the spectrum that God created. And, um, I'm going to quote, uh, from a book really quick, okay. um, just an idea. Um, uh, the book is called, um, the Bible and the transgender experience. Okay. Um, by Linda Tatro Hertzer. And um, we can link that later okay. um, to this podcast. It's Good. absolutely fantastic. Um, Linda Hertzer and her um, business partner, Gabrielle Claiborne, are doing amazing work, in a, especially in the American South, um, teaching people um, in the lay community um, about the transgender experience and okay. what they can bring to your company and how to, um, how to talk about and with the transgender community. Um, and they're just doing absolutely fantastic work. But in this book that she writes, The Bible and Transgender Experience, she points out that God created everything on a spectrum. And when, when people say God created them male and female, like it's a binary, that's not accurate at all per the Bible itself. So here's what she says. Um, Linda says in her book, God created um, day and night, right? And God created the sea and the land. And God created plants and animals and God created men and women. Now we know <laughs> that there are, there is something that's not day and not night. Yeah. We There's call it dusk. Dusk. <laughs> or evening. Or dawn. Yeah. Right. That that's a, it's a spectrum. Yes. Right. Yes. We know that there are things between plants and animals. It's not really a plant. It's not really an animal. It's a protozoa. It's a fungi. It's a bacteria. Right? I love this. Keep, right? I love this. Linda yes, yes. is a genius. Okay. Yeah. We know that there are things that are not land and not sea. They're called estuaries. We call them beaches. We call it. <laughs> right? Yes. We call yes. them marshes. Oh my gosh. These are actual things that are not a binary. Right? Why yep. do we take one? male and female to a binary it's not that's in so the good. human biological truth there are many things on the spectrum between male and female hermaphrodites and, you know, can eventually be both. <laughs> intersex individuals yes. which i learned in my research in my undergraduate studies there are more intersex people um uh than there are people who are born with what we call down syndrome wow i'm gonna say that again there are more people born with an intersex condition that is within their physical bodies properties that are 
either or both, male and female. Three, some of them have three chromosomes. Some of them have male exterior genitalia and female interior genitalia or the opposite. Mm -hmm. um, there are more people born with intersex conditions than there are people born with what we call Down syndrome. Wow. Talk about like science we don't learn in school. Oh, never. No. Uh -uh. Nope. Right? Right. And, and many we don't learn in church. They yeah. are intersex people because if they don't, if they don't exhibit an illness or a condition that requires them to have hormonal tests, interior scans and things, they would never know. Right. Because they're perfectly healthy individuals whose mm -hmm. bodies operate just fine. Right. They're I had a friend, broken in any way. I had a friend tell me the other day that that um, he now. Now he was raised female and their entire life. They were told they were female and always felt male, always. And it wasn't until he started going through some of the transitional surgeries and things that they found out that he actually had male genitalia. He had he had so much testosterone that he was overloaded with testosterone. And that's why God is creative. Exactly. God is not tied to a binary. Right. We we created that binary. Right. Oh my gosh, that is so good. That is so good. I mean, again, like I, I lift up Linda and I point out her book because it's something that you can get in the hands of everybody. It's very accessible. It's a very easy read. Um, and it's mind blowing. I, I quote her all the time. Actually, um, I speak at one of the local universities here quite often. And one year I convinced the uh, theology professor to pay, you know, to get Linda to come up. <laughs> and the students, it was awesome. You know, there's yeah. blowing their minds, but um, unfortunately I can't get Linda up here all the time. So I just quote her constantly <laughs> uh, because her book is so accessible. Um, but no, it's, it's fantastic. And, and I think that that's for me, what has kept me sane uh, for the most part through mm -hmm. all of this um, mm -hmm. is the knowledge that God never changes, that God is constant, that God is infallible, that God's truth will win out, that, you know, the power of love is absolutely what we can base our lives on and know that that will never change, that that idea that love wins will never change. It yeah. is the only truth yep. of our lives that mm -hmm. I have found. So, um, yeah, no, it's absolutely fascinating. So this whole idea that like we go back to missing the mark. Mm -hmm. Like, and I know that when I say that out loud, that our hearers, like they're saying, oh God, oh, I, oh, that day, like it brings trauma back on our lives mm -hmm. to hear um, that term even. Mm -hmm. Maybe you missed it by one degree on yeah. a 360 degree spectrum of possibility. Right. You just, just didn't hit it. That's not the end of the world. If you were a world-class Olympian archer, you would just practice more. <laughs> you wouldn't right. quit. That's right. <laughs> Don't quit on God because God didn't quit on you. You know? <laughs> not like, ever. Yeah, this, yeah. If we go back to the basics of theology, I think we can reground ourselves in the God who loves us. And uh, we can move away from some of the trauma that's been inflicted on the queer community by um, mm -hmm. the organizational church, by the mm -hmm. institutional church. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and to try to be gracious and not fault them for merely being 
other humans. Right, right. And doing the best they can with the knowledge that they have mm -hmm. to follow the God that they believe in. Mm -hmm. um, and that's that's a hard read. Yeah. That's hard. Um, it is. When you see people um, acting in ways that they would preach against. Mm -hmm. that That's when I go, eh, eh, no. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's not, not okay to lie about me in order to promote your homophobic um, agenda. Yeah. Lying is still wrong. Yep. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's... I think that's what frustrates me too, that when you get this hypocritical stance mm -hmm. of I'm going to shame you, but I know that I'm doing this back here and I'm going to act like I'm not doing anything wrong. And you're going to yep. be the token person to take on my sin as well that I'm not going to talk about. But yeah. So, so how did you land after being kicked out of the United Church of Christ? Um, well, I was in the middle of seminary, which uh, made it mm. a little bit awkward because the whole point of going to seminary was to become <laughs> ordained. <laughs> and now I had no reason to be ordained. So that was, you know, I've had a couple of, of years that proves that hell is not a place outside of human experience. That's right. Um, we live in it, baby. We live in it. <laughs> I've been, I've lived through a couple of seriously hellish years and that was one of them. Thank God again for the good, good people at ILIF, um, good spiritual direction. A lady that took me aside and said, wow, come sit down and talk to me. What is happening? Um, how can I help you? Aww. And again, just called me back to prayer mm -hmm. and a conversation with God um, that this isn't all about what's happening with you and what's happening. You know, God's there. God's in this with you. So what, what does God, um, how can God help you through this? You know, what what do you still feel the call of God into ministry? Do you still feel that staying in seminary is a positive um, experience for you? Um, you know, uh, don't just follow your human emotions, which are a hot mess right now, you mm. know, but go back, go back to the conversation with the one who never changes and mm. um, try to tap into that positive, loving truth and, and see, you know, um, where that leads you. Mm -hmm. And that led me to stay and complete my seminary degree and get my master's, uh, which was one of the best moments in my life. Um, even though the ceremony was held on zoom because of COVID, uh -huh. um, it was still pretty fantastic. Um, um, I was raised in a, a family that, um, honors academic achievement. And, um, I am now, I have the only master's degree in my family, so I'm pretty proud of myself. Yeah. You, um, but, uh, you know, God is good. And, um, the ministry that I have, um, I worked for a year in the church of the, um, the United Methodist church, mm -hmm. um, which I could say right now is not super United, but, um, right. God Correct. Bless them and pray for them. Yes. Cause they are, they are just going through it right now. And God bless my affirming, um, ILF is a United Methodist seminary mm. and very progressive and very affirming of the queer community. But, um, the Methodists that are trying to hang in there as affirming Methodists, um, either choosing to stay in the United Methodist church while it goes through this process or mm -hmm. choosing to leave uh, because mm -hmm. of the homophobia that exists. Um, mm -hmm. Either way, um, they need uh -huh. our prayers. Absolutely. But, uh, you know, um, so I was a, a campus intern and I worked, got to work with some college kids for a year uh, with the United mm -hmm. Methodist Church, and that was fantastic. 
And uh, since then, um, I have stepped out of formal ministry. I do um, every now and then I'm asked to preach for somebody who's on vacation or something like that. Um, but, you know, uh, I use my seminary degree um, and my undergraduate degrees every day mm-hmm. at the elementary school where mm-hmm. I'm a kindergarten para um, every single day. And um, the process of going through um learning to accept myself as a gay woman and learning to um, go through the hard stuff of the layers of um, church teaching to process through those to a place where I can say with full authority that being gay is not even of consideration to the God Mm -hmm. who created the universe. Mm -hmm. Um, It is not sinful. It is not uh, a sin. The act is not a sin. None of it is. um, And the Bible does not say it is. Um, You know, just the other day I was reading a book because again god landed me with a kindergarten teacher um only in her second year of teaching um and i'm her para and so we're as old and young as we can get (laughs) and uh she has incredibly affirming books that she brought in to read to the kids and she's terrified to read them because she's worried that she'll get fired if she reads a certain book and i said hey i'll read it so i took some of the kids aside i said hey it's free play time and um i feel like reading a book who wants to read with me so three or four of the kids came and sat around me and we read this book called uh, the princess and the maiden uh, mm. which is fantastic and um the princess falls in love uh, the maiden falls in love with the princess instead of the prince and they wow. get together and um, so one of the girls had said well but they can't get married and i said sure why not and she said well girls can't marry girls and i go sure they can and my wife works at the same school oh, as wow. the behavioral paraeducator and one of the other girls knows it. And she said, well, Miss Jan and Miss Janine are married. And and, and she said, what? Girls are married, girls. And I go, and I said, yeah, they can. The Supreme Court said we can. And she goes, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> and then we finished the book. And one of the other girls said, well, so they kissed? And I go, yeah. And she goes, a girl kissed a girl? And I go, uh-huh. And she goes, oh, okay. I guess See? I just stated as a fact. Exactly. And if kids would get that, if they're not gay, they're going to just let that go. If they are gay, they have hope and they'll figure it out one day. And if we would just allow ourselves to know from the beginning, you know, we don't know because nobody allowed us to to grow in that way. These people that think that like we shouldn't teach, you know, queer uh, studies in school. Crazy. Think that eight year olds don't know the difference. Don't know eight year olds. Right. Because I I gay it up as much as I'm legally allowed to at the school. And I know where my line is. It's not my job yeah. to teach these children. It's not my job to parent these children. Um, yeah. That's their parents' job. Yeah. And I know that. But if I'm asked, I can say I'm married yeah. to a woman. Yeah. I'm legally allowed to say this is my wife. I'm legally allowed to say the Supreme Court says we can get married. That's a fact. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I know where my line is. Right. I'm not trying to um, um, teach these kids an ideology. You know, I'm not trying to, like, I don't have a gay agenda, right? Right. Um, I'm just living my life. That's right. And if 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 the male teachers at school can say wife, I can say wife. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And I wear as much rainbow clothing <laughs> as I possibly can. Tracy's like, very proud of you, I'm sure. Tracy and I <laughs> should be twins in That's some right. other life. And, like... <laughs> I have a rainbow hat. I have rainbow converse. I have rainbow, you know, I wear um, the human rights campaign makes fabulous t-shirts. If you have not found the human rights campaign online, 
and because they're very subtle, a lot of them are very subtle. And so mm -hmm. I have several of their shirts. Um, I have one that's just a series of hearts across the chest. Uh -huh. Each heart's a different rainbow color. And the last one's a rainbow. Uh -huh. um, I also promote Black Lives Matter at school as much as I can. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you, I've had seven-year-olds come up and say, like when I'm wearing a pride shirt, I know what that means. And I go, what does it mean? I don't tell him what it means. Yeah. I ask him what it means. Yeah. And she, he says, that means gay. And I'm like, you're right. Fist bump for gay. And I move yeah. on. Yeah. He's eight and he knows what the yep. pride flag looks like. And, you yep. know, he, um, when we had to wear masks, I had a pride mask that had the transgender um, sort of, uh, can't think of the word, you know, triangle in it. Yep. Uh-huh. Yep. And I had a girl come up to me and point at my face and say, I know what that means. And I said, what does it mean? And she says, that means transgender. And I go, that's right. Again, I didn't say anything. Correct. You just affirmed. And she and said, yep. I don't know which of those I am. And I go, oh, I go, you know, I have a lot of friends that are in their 20s and 30s and they don't know yet. And she goes, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> End of conversation. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And she drew me a flag on, you know, drew me a crayon drawing of the transgender flag and labeled them. She knew the label names for them. And nice. she, in the middle, she put her, herself, she says, don't know yet. She oh, I love that. Conversation in a picture because she's 10. Oh, I love it. I didn't I say a word, it. but yep. those kids are desperate yep. for adult yep. um, uh, uh, examples, mm -hmm. adult role models. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we in the queer community, we have so much trauma. And, yep. and, you know, like I said, I've been through five years of trauma therapy for other reasons and for the trauma of just being gay in America. Mm -hmm. it's worth doing the work friends to get healthy mm -hmm. because if we can't be out and gay and proud and okay with it, which are three different things, mm -hmm. um, we cannot be good examples for the next generation. And we cannot right. create those spaces that are truly safe and not again, traumatic for them. Mm -hmm. So if you are able to do the work to process through the church trauma, to process through the societal trauma, to <clears> just <throat> be okay with yourself, yep. then others can look at you and say, oh, she's okay with it. You know, maybe it really yep. is okay. Yep. You know, you're right. I could yeah. talk to you forever. You will come back, right? Absolutely. Anytime. I, I'm pretty I sure we're not done. Never get tired of talking about God and gay people. <laughs> well, I hate to end this, but I I know we've we've come to probably the end. However, I want to say that your light that you're shining in this world is is just amazing, and I'm so happy that as you found yourself moving from place to place, that you continue to be full of grace. And that you still have that light inside of you and God uses you no matter where you are. You're like, you're like me. You're a professional hummingbird. You just flip yeah. from place to place and you show up and just do your thing. <laughs> That's right. Just well, flip. I thank you, Midge, for, um, for broadcasting this because I know um, I, having done a little bit of public um, work, that it's not always easy. And I know you do get attacked. Um, and so I just appreciate you very much for having me on. Um, and continuing to spread that message of um, God's love and God's positivity. Thank um, you. It is the only possibility. And I have to say today, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, mm -hmm. um, it's the same message that he preached. And so That's right. um, yep. we are all doing God's work. 
And I, I had shared the, the post this morning that, you know, basically love, love takes over hate and, you know, and, and he always preached that, that, you know, just like you said, love will, will never die. So I really want to thank you so much for honoring us with your story and, and being so authentic and so transparent uh, through your pain. I appreciate that very much. And I want to thank you listeners once again for coming back each week, supporting and sharing and subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to see more information and links to connect with Jan, go to the Gay With God podcast show page at empoweredmidge.podbean.com. If you are listening to this podcast and are questioning whether you can be gay and be in a relationship with the God of your understanding, if you identify as LGBTQIA+, or not even sure if you're gay, God has always been within you. Even when you didn't know it, you have always been gay with God. Check out the Facebook group, Gay With God, where we do a monthly Zoom group entitled My Faith Journey. So that's a cool thing that I love doing. And if you need support to help through your coming out or faith journey, go to the show page again at empoweredmidge.podbean.com. Scroll all the way down to the bottom and see how you can connect with me to receive some coaching. I also want to remind you that I'm doing monthly Ask Me Anythings. We had our first one on January 12th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is a great time for you to ask me anything. You can ask me about my upcoming memoir, Gay With God, Reclaiming My Faith, Honoring My Story, or you can ask me anything about my life, my wife. Well, maybe not my wife. Yeah, you can ask me anything, anything. So I hope you'll come in February. Um, you can find the link with in the Gay With God Facebook group. You can find the link on my Facebook um, page. So check us out and and join us. It was fun. I had so many great questions last time, and there's going to be some things that may not even be in the book that I may be reading for you. I may read you snippets from the book. I may read you things that are from my personal diary <laughs> that won't make it in the book. <laughs> you just never know what I'm going to do. So ask me anything. So stay tuned and see how you can join the Gay With God community. And as always, you are loved. I want to invite you to become a part of the Gay With God community. How can you do that? Stay connected by messaging me your thoughts and comments in the comment section under the downloads of the show on the Gay With God show page. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen and share, share, share so we can increase our community outreach and be a light to those who are struggling to claim their faith. Consider being a sponsor so I can highlight your service in our community. We are all worthy of respect and a relationship with the God of our understanding. I want to thank you in advance for supporting this podcast. Together, we as a community will keep this show visible and our community stronger. Deep gratitude to my friend Tim McClendon of Tim McClendon Music for allowing me to use an excerpt from Interlude 4, a song found on his CD entitled Sundance.